Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pick and Play podcast. Today, we are going to be breaking down the young quarterback town that seems to have influenced pretty much, it could influence the future of the NFL. It's influencing our, our decisions today when picking these teams. We're going to transition from the young NFL into what seems like an older NFC. Who is really uh, leading the charge when it comes to the NFC? And and does the NFC have a chance in the Super Bowl against the AFC? We'll take a look at some of the matchups that have already played out through the year and see if there's any correlation. And always to break things down, Leo, how are you doing? I'm good, man. There's a hurricane coming through Florida right now. I'm trying to stay dry. Excited for Thursday night football tomorrow, actually. My Titans Colts, you know, that's a big one. So uh, I'm really just counting down the hours for that. Yeah, that is a big one. Thursday night football is coming through this week, uh, which is great. A good th- Thursday night football game really, really fucking sets you up for the week. Uh, I just I just think that when we get good primetime games, matchups that people care about uh, on top of uh, you know, exciting young football. And there's really not much to complain about. And, and I will further that by saying the NFL actually took steps to, uh, well, they didn't take any real steps, but they've lucked into a weekend of, I think there's only five Sunday football games at one o'clock. There's not its usual nine million one o'clock games. Uh, and, and with that has come some decent matchups. Uh, so we actually, a lot of divisional matchups. So this one o'clock slate is not going to be filled to the brim uh, with dog shit and then leaving you nothing for the rest of the day. So that's nice. Right. The NFL must be listening to our podcast because we've been banking <laughs> the table for this for, for the whole season now. I, they need to continue it. It's week 10. We've passed the halfway mark, and now we're starting to head downhill. What a quick season it's been. But one thing that is giving us hope for maybe not so many bad matchups is all these young quarterbacks. And, and we're going to take a walk through. We have laid out seven quarterbacks, young quarterbacks that are showing promise that could potentially be league leaders, uh, MVP candidates today, tomorrow, in the future. Uh, and I'll run through that list real quick. If you have a quarterback not on this list, it's because you have eliminated yourself from the future quarterback position and you need to go find one. Um, the list is Kyler, Herbert, Locke, Tua, Lamar, Allen, Burrow. Those are the seven. Anyone else not on that list, I'm sorry, look in the meal, mirror. You need to go back and get another quarterback. Let's tee off the top of this list. The Arizona Cardinals, 5-3, and three, riding pretty high. Kyler Murray, um, this is a big weekend for him. I think this is someone who we've seen a development from through the season. What do you see when you look at Kyler Murray? Honestly, I see a future star in the league. Uh, I think I've seen a lot of pundits and, and such on TV talk about how Kyler Murray's had accuracy issues and how we're not sure if, you know, if he's really going to be able to get it done when it's playoff time. But from my perspective, I've only seen Kyler have two bad games this season, and he's got the Cardinals fighting for the division and, and definitely in contention for the playoffs. Uh, I don't see what's not to like with Kyler Murray. He's giving you a lot with his legs. He might already be the best runner in the league. He may have surpassed uh, Lamar in that, in my opinion. And he's got a pretty deep ball. Uh, There's some to be desired on the intermediate stuff, but 
Kyler Murray's probably my personal favorite among the group of quarterbacks that you just named because where's the flaw with him? Uh, so I think I'm going to be Debbie Downer with most of these guys, uh, and that's fine with me. Uh, but here's my problem with Kyler. The, I don't think the intermediate stuff is there because he, he's having trouble seeing overpassing lanes. Uh, he is exceptionally short. Um, they have to build in these deep throws and these they have to basically alter where he throws based on the height of these players. Now, it's it's nothing like someone can't overcome. He's more athletic than Drew Brees. Drew Brees was a shorter court quarterback. I think Kyler Murray is even shorter than Drew Brees. Um, yeah, I, I see I see all of the great raw skills in Kyler Murray. We have seen games where he's been shut down. Um, the thing with the legs, it's fine. Uh, I do not believe he's more mobile than Lamar Jackson. Uh, I, I just don't, and that's probably the homer in me. But it's also Kyler the fact Murray that... Kyler Murray has scored a rushing touchdown in every game but one this season. Yeah, and that's, that's fine. Um, the other thing with the Cardinals is I believe that the one thing Cliff Kingsbury does is bring you a very exciting offense. I don't think, in, in terms of, it, it's very dynamic. Cliff Kingsbury has a very dynamic fucking offense. That's why they brought him into the NFL. His pass game concepts, his run game concepts are great. I don't believe Greg Roman gives that advantage to Lamar. Greg Roman's uh, pass game concepts are very poor. His run game concepts are very good. Where Cliff Kingsbury does both well. Um, that's to me one of the big differences. We're going to see what happens with Lamar the rest of the season, but focusing on Kyler Murray, I am interested to see what happens with them this weekend against the Bills. The Bills uh, checked Seattle last week and hammered the shit out of them. So yeah, that was impressive. Now and and honestly, the thing that I think is going to hold Kyler back is Cliff is not a good in-game manager at all. We saw that last week with the Dolphins who beat them. Um, so I think that Cliff Kingsbury as a coach is a great offensive mind. I don't think he has the capabilities of a full head coach overseeing everything. I think Kyler's limit is going to be by the coach he has, um, which is often the limiter for quarterbacks. Uh, I do not put him in the transcendent realm of unable to overcome bad scheme and bad coaching. Very, very few have ever been able to overcome that. That list is, you know, Tom Brady, who's never had to deal with it, but Bill Belichick has made mistakes. So Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, uh, those Ben Roethlisberger are the four of the last 20 years that I would put in a league of their own saying these four are able to overcome any coaching, any defensive liability. Kyler Murray can be a Super Bowl winning quarterback if he can get the right coaching around him. Right now, I don't think he has it, but that's my limiter for him. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, just one thing to add to Kyler, maybe my favorite thing about Kyler, even more than the big arm and the, and the fast running and all that, he really cares. Yeah, You know, and I feel like he's got that fire in him. I've seen, I've probably seen about 10 times where they cut away to the sideline in a Cardinals game after a, a, a bad drive, and he looks pissed. Yep. He looks pissed. He's got people huddling together. He's yelling, he's screaming, he's pointing. And I personally, maybe that's not everyone's cup of tea, but I personally like that for my team. Uh, I like that guy that's got that fire. You know, don't, 
don't come to the sideline after a bad drive and just sit down and go, oh, okay, we'll be fine. Yeah. I like the guy that gets a little rowdy and he's like, hey, like, let's tighten the fuck up. Let's go. You know, I like that guy. I think and maybe that's why I add a couple points on my grading for Kyler. Yeah, as someone, and we're going to transition to Justin Herbert next, but as someone who has uh, most of their life lived with a quarterback that had no demeanor whatsoever, not no demeanor whatsoever, but Joe Flacco for the Ravens was cool. Joe never really brought that emotion, always kept things level-headed. Uh, and that's so for me, I have a skewed view on it. I do also prefer a little more fire. I'm not I'm 100 percent in on that. Uh, I don't necessarily need it, but I do give bonus points for it as well. And that's even coming with the Joe Flacco background. Um, now, this is probably going to irritate a lot of people, but we're going to flip to Justin Herbert next. And I'm going to tell you, I think his best comp and this might be a little funny is actually Joe Flacco. Um, I see someone. No, with, that's not what I want to hear. I know, but when you look at what Justin Herbert does well, Justin Herbert throws the deep ball incredibly well. That was pretty, he has a rocket launcher for an arm. That was pretty launcher. much Joe Flacco's fastball. Deep, deep passing. You can hit any mark on the field. Uh, you have you are somewhat limited in your mobility. Um, you prefer to be standing back in the pocket, surveying the field, making the throws. Do I believe, and here's the thing, a lot of people, like you just said, might react negatively to that. That's fine. I just want to let everyone know that there have been four quarterbacks in the past 20 years that really deserve that upper echelon. Like I said, Tom Brady, who's still in the fucking league. I'll throw Drew Brees in there, who went through two organizations. Uh, Peyton Manning, who won two Super Bowls with two organizations. Ben Roethlisberger, who has two Super Bowls and has been through multiple regime change, multiple uh, personnel changes. The regime has mainly stayed the same. The, these are the few people that can transcend in a 20-year period. Okay, These are the people that transcend time and space and are still that good to elevate their team. When we talk about this list of seven quarterbacks, I would bet that only one of these quarterbacks move into that realm one out of seven so for the rest of them you're going to have to understand that when you go oh well the comp that i give him is joe flacco and you can be repulsed by that that's fine joe flacco is a super bowl winning mvp as far as quarterbacking is concerned in a single season that's your top if you ask what award would you want to win out of everything the quarterback will say the Super Bowl MVP, because that means you won the Super Bowl and you were the best player in it. So Joe Burrow, for me, I mean, sorry, Justin Herbert's comp to me in the way he plays is a lot like Joe Flacco. If you put the right pieces around him, he can succeed. He will be unable to succeed on his own, however. The Chargers are currently 2-6. and six. In four of those games, they had a 16 or more point lead. So this isn't someone who can transcend time and space to win you a game. He will need help. I look at Joe Flacco the same way. Justin Herbert right now has better weapons than almost Joe Flacco ever had. And Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. The best Joe Flacco had was Anquan Bolden, who was phenomenal. Anquan Bolden was phenomenal, but he wasn't in the peak of his career. He had Steve Smith at the end of his career. He had players like that. 
he's getting prime weapons to throw to on this Chargers team. I think Justin Herbert can win a Super Bowl. That's the biggest compliment I can really give to a team. I don't think, and we talked about Kyler Murray being put in positions to be successful. I don't think Justin Herbert has is anywhere close to that. I think Anthony Lynn is a bottom five, bottom ten coach in the NFL, and he continues to show that. If you put a different coach on this team, where do you see Justin Herbert's ceiling? I'm with you in that I think that Justin Herbert can be a future star. Uh, that's my opinion, especially with the pieces they have around him. When you have Keenan Allen, you have Mike Williams. Eventually, you'll have Austin Eckler back, Hunter Henry. Uh, they have the pieces on offense. I, I really I don't know what's going on with the Chargers' defense. They can't seem to give up under 25, 30 points in a game. But uh, I like Herbert. I just have a little bit of pushback on your comp. Uh, in terms of arm, I'm with you. Justin Herbert, he's, like we said, he's got the rocket launcher. He likes the deep ball. However, I think he's a little more mobile than, than Flacco was, and I like that. Uh, he's running about five, six times a game so far in his early career, and you know he's doing a good job picking up those you know third and fours, third and fives with his legs. I, I like that extra dimension that he adds. But other than that, I agree with everything you're saying. I, I don't know if Justin Herbert's going to be the guy that's going to put the franchise on his back and carry you to the playoffs. But with the roster they have, I don't see why he can't be successful and why he shouldn't be successful. He has been so far. If now, their defense could get a stop, they'd be fine. I think he'll end up around 3,500 yards. The thing I'm going to be interested in is his interceptions. He has five on the year. He's throwing about three touchdowns per pick. As long as he keeps that up, he's going to be fine. Um, now, that means he'll end somewhere at the end of this year with 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, um, and about 3,500 yards. That's a pretty decent line. Maybe his comp more leans towards Matthew Stafford. I just The big arm and the way he presents himself reminds me a lot of Flacco. Um, also with similar completion percentages and things like that. So uh, that's where I see him. I think Justin Herbert could be a star. Here's the other thing. We saw Baker Mayfield come out and light the league on fire his first year, setting all the rookie records. We must tailor these expectations. Labeling seven of these guys as potential Hall of... Uh, you know, let's say we want to say these seven are... Uh, I'll continue to cause caution here. We want to say these seven people are league winners. You know, they're, they're, they're someone that can take you over the top. It, just, just to give you some discrepancy, Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have an MVP. Russell Wilson doesn't have an MVP. Drew Brees does not have an MVP. So your range for what you need in terms of a winning quarterback varies from spot to spot. Justin Herbert, from what we've seen in a very, very small sample size, looks good. Let's see what happens as he progresses. Does the team keep enabling him to have success by switching up schemes, switching up options, and people keep pe keeping people off him? Now, we're going to turn to another quarterback in the same division, and this is one that I was high on at the beginning of the year, uh, but is at the I would consider him at the bottom of this list in terms of if this continues for another, I would say, this season and then into next season, I think you have to move on. Drew Locke for the Broncos. I'm not sure if we have a more Jekyll and Hyde young quarterback than him. How many games are the Broncos down by like 21 points in that you turn on the fourth quarter and they're down by three out of literally nowhere? 
How many times does that happen to the Broncos? Because it feels like it's every single week. Right. It's at least been the last few weeks. Uh, with Drew Locke, I, I kind of don't want to evaluate him this year because I know that he had that labrum injury uh, earlier in the year. And ever since coming back, I feel like he's slowly every week since he's been back gotten a little better. Yeah. You know, the, the first game back against New England was rough. He has 189 yards, two picks. The next game against KC, he's up to 254 yards, but still throws another two picks. The last two weeks is where he's combined for five touchdowns, two picks in the last two weeks, and he's looked better. So I kind of want to hold off on judging him until I see him with his full stable of weapons and with you know health. Uh, but it doesn't look that great. It doesn't look as great as what we hoped for before the season, that's for sure. No, I'm moving him down that to that bottom rung those interceptions have to fuck off um his ability to keep them in a game early i don't know if it's play calling that's why i'm willing to see a little bit more time he shows some of the raw skills he just doesn't put it together end over end you know they beat the chargers 31 30 uh they beat new england they have three wins on their schedule the the jets new england and the chargers uh they get whipped by atlanta last week they have vegas this week their schedule is some of the most unkind shit I've ever seen. Uh, I, and this is why I'm going to hold off on lock for just a little bit longer. Here's how they end their season. They don't play a team with a losing record besides the Chargers. They play Vegas, Miami, New Orleans, Kansas City, Carolina, Buffalo, the Chargers, and the Raiders. That's brutal. That's so brutal. So I'm going to I'm gonna give this kid a pass. I will see how he does. They are going to be down and overclassed in every single game the rest of this year besides the Chargers. But if the Chargers move on from Anthony Lynn sometime between now and then, they will be the better team. The Broncos are the worst team out of that whole slew, and they, they might not win another game. So... I'm gonna hold off on lock, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna kind of go let you know you're starting to slip into that. You showed a lot of promise, but you never made it more than that, and that's where I'm gonna put lock is right in that. You're my seventh guy. I only field six. <laughs> if I don't need a rotational player, you're getting cut. I think that's fair, and I think that Drew Lock would say that that's fair. Yeah. I, I don't think that that's unreasonable to say at all. But like we say, I, I want to see him with Fant. I want to see him with Sutton. I want to see him with his full stable of weapons before I, I kind of throw him to the side here. Let's transition to, I want to look at, the, uh, we're going to look at two quarterbacks from the, what was it, 2018 draft class. I do, I will say this. Josh Rosen is basically out of the league. He's eliminated. Sam Darnold. We are seeing Joe Flacco outperform Sam Darnold. I'm sorry, Sam Darnold. Time's up. And then we have Baker Mayfield, who really, really they've got to move on from. He just does not have it as a starting quarterback. He'll be a, he'll be a solid backup for years to come places because you'll see flashes. But once you make him play quarterback, that's really it. So there are two quarterbacks left from that draft where everyone was really high on all the picks except two people. Two people people really didn't have much opinion of. Josh Allen and Joe, uh, Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson. Let's start with Josh Allen. Jo- <laughs> Josh Allen has had four really, five really, really good games, 
and three stinkers. Um, in those stinkers, teams have decided to make Josh Allen throw and beat them. This starts with Tennessee, uh, moves into, uh, you know, basically week by week to where they play Seattle last week. Now, um, Josh Allen is a good, Josh Allen is a good indication of where you are in the NFL, in my view. This is a one-dimensional football team that wants to throw the ball only. It's the only thing they really can do. Seattle came in there, and I don't know if you heard about what uh, Pete Carroll said, but Pete Carroll's showing his age. Uh, Pete Carroll said that we had a really good design to stop Buffalo from running the ball, which is literally fucking crazy. Because Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills have not shown any indication that they they want to run the ball all year long. So Seattle really gave, I think, a bad indication of what we would be what you should look at. I think that Josh Allen is a serviceable quarterback and can get things done. Unfortunately, Josh Allen in every game has boneheaded mistakes. You can see the clock spin, turn, and make the wrong move. I think Josh Allen, in a good system, could be a good quarterback. But I think he is entirely limited to the support you give him, the people you put around him. And I know that go, oh, well, Matt, well, duh. Yeah, but no, uh, some quarterbacks overcome all this. And he really, really needs the game plan to go a certain way to be successful. Uh, and I think that we're going to see that as the year continues to turn out and who Buffalo's playing because they do not have an overly easy schedule. Um, they do have some soft spots. Uh, and winning in beating Seattle really puts them in the playoffs. I think Josh Allen is a quarterback that can win you football games but is limited by the fact that he will make boneheaded mistakes so if you can live with a pick here, a pick there, I, I kind of actually see Josh a little bit of Philip Rivers and Josh Allen, where Philip Rivers always like Philip Rivers. It's kind of Matthew Stafford. Philip Rivers always to me were kind of the same same mold. Matthew Stafford never never got the help Philip Rivers had, and Philip Rivers never got the full support that he should have gotten. People that like Eli and Ben got Philip never got that, but. What they are is they have these boneheaded mistakes where you just go, what was that, man? And they go, ah, yeah, I'm prone to just fuck that up. Now, it's still early, and maybe Josh Allen can get over it. I just, too many times I still see uh, Josh Allen have these boneheaded mistakes. But besides that, he is someone that can be a competent passer. He can push the ball downfield. He took, I think, seven sacks last week, stayed in there, and continued to make plays. Um, it doesn't hurt that the um, it doesn't hurt that the the Seattle Seahawks decided to play zero defense on the back end whatsoever. But if you give him the opportunity, Josh Allen will capitalize, and that's not something Baker Mayfield's capable of. That is not something that Sam Darnold's capable of. Neither one of them are able to elevate to the level of Josh Allen. Yeah, with Josh Allen, uh, he confuses me more than probably any other starting quarterback in the league because every other time I watch him, he gives me a different impression. Yep. You know, I'll watch some Josh Allen, and he'll have me thinking, damn, is, is Josh Allen top five? 
you know, because some of the throws he can make, some of the deep balls specifically, he's got that cannon, he's mobile, he can take a hit like you were saying. But then there's those games where it's the turnovers and the bad decisions and he's off on the intermediate stuff and I really don't know what to make of him. And he's young, I guess he has time to to fix his inconsistencies, but... Like you say, we have a, we had a stretch from week four to week nine or week eight, rather, where he was just blah, you know, like it wasn't someone that I wanted on my team. But then if you look at weeks one through four and the Seattle game, he looks like he's a top five guy. So I, I, I don't know what to make of him. Every single time I watch Josh Allen, I sit down and put a Bills game on. I come away with something different. Yeah, and that's just what you're going to get. But I think that's a lot of what you saw in Philip Rivers' career. He had tons of weapons around him at times, and Josh Allen has weapons around him right now, okay, period. Decent offensive line. He's got a top probably 15 wide receiver in Diggs. Some people like him even more than that. John Brown, Cole Beasley, these are people that are vets that get the job done. Um, There are some people out there that are like John Brown's out of the offense, and John Brown makes the offense hum. Shut the fuck up. That is the stupidest fucking thing you could have ever fucking thought of. John Brown was on that team last year. He didn't make the offense fucking go then, and he doesn't make the offense fucking go now. He's a good piece to it. But don't act like, okay, so who would you rather have playing, Stefan Diggs or John Brown? Diggs. Okay, what the fuck are we saying then? That your wide receiver two makes your offense go? Get the fuck out of here. I see that popping up all over the place, and I'm like, John Brown? John Brown. John fucking Brown. He was their number one last year. The offense did not look like this. He did not make that offense go. I I, I like John Brown, but I don't know if John Brown is the, you know, the key piece here. He's not. He's not. It's just, it's just crazy shit. Well, you know, and that's like, it's like making that, that's the equivalent of making this same statement. You know, this whole team is better when all their starters are healthy. Yeah, no fucking shit. What? <laughs> what kind of nonsense shit did you just dribble up the floor to me? That of of course the team's better when healthy, but to act like John Brown's some linchpin to this whole thing, I, I get the fuck out of here. Um, I am worried that Buffalo took so many sacks. If they play a more balanced team, and we'll get to this later, uh, when we play a more balanced team, I'm interested to see how they can do it. But it's 7-2. This team is looking to run away from their division. Um, the end of the season, Josh Allen could lead them to a division title. Uh, they've got Arizona. They've got this- a couple wins on the schedule, I think, looking at it now. They've got I a like lot them of wins. Chargers, I think I like them against San Francisco. I definitely like them against Denver and probably New England as well. I like them to win a minimum of four more games. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. So, I think I think they're going to lose to Miami. I think they're going to lose to Pittsburgh. And I think that the, I, I don't know what to expect this weekend. We'll get into the NFC teams in whole, at whole uh, later, but I'm, I'm not sure what really to expect there. Uh, let's flip over to the last quarterback drafted in that class, Lamar Jackson, who has had a undoubtedly slumpy season. Now, uh, the end of last game against the Colts was the first time all year that I saw the Ravens offense look exactly like it did the year before. That was the first time all year in the second half. They went to an up-tempo offense, kept the defense really on their heels. They scored two touchdowns, but it should have been three. Gus Edwards fumbled the ball going into the end zone at one at in the second half. 
and the the Colts took the ball over. But it really should have been three touchdowns in that half, and you would have looked at a 31-10 whipping. Um, I think Lamar has all the pieces. I am now really worried about uh, his offensive coordinator, Greg Roman. Um, I'm seeing not... I, I Now, I will say this. Lamar has a similar problem to Josh Allen in the sense that there are... Josh Allen is always liable to have a turnover game. Lamar Jackson is not. However, in these big games, Lamar Jackson does seem to want to turn the ball over. Uh, four turnovers against Pittsburgh. He had, I think, three against Kansas City. Those have to tighten up. Now, they're happening in just big games, so it's like a little Tony Romo thing where when the light gets real, real bright, they seem to do worse. Uh, but it doesn't seem to translate into primetime games. Uh, and Lamar, for the first time in his career, when trailing at halftime, just came back and won a game. So I don't know if it's a young thing that he has to develop into. I don't think that our passing game concepts are good at all. When I watch film, I watch multiple wide receivers or let's just say wide outs, including tight ends and running backs, end up in the same positions. Um, and just last week, I saw us finally start to roll the running back out of the backfield and hit the running back for easy eight-yard gains when everyone drops back into coverage and one person spies Lamar. So I'm interested to see this playbook develop. I do need Lamar to get those fucking turnovers under control, uh, but he's only had two two-pick games in his career, uh, but he's got, in these big games, he's got to get that under control. What do you feel about Lamar? See, my opinion with Lamar hinges a lot on the front office. Like they're they're connected to me. It's not I can't grade one without talking about the other. With Lamar, I, I'm looking at his stats. He his high for the season passing is 275. Right, and that's week one. Ever since week one, his high in passing is 208 yards. And, you know, in watching the Ravens, I've, I can't just blame it all on personnel and coaching because I've seen Lamar miss a couple crossers, you know, where he's throwing it late or he's throwing it behind. Uh, but I don't overall, I don't think that that's the big problem with this offense. I still need the Ravens to get him a true number one. I love Hollywood Brown. I think he's cool. I, I think that he's a useful piece. But Lamar needs that possession guy you know that guy that he can say on third down look I'm gonna throw it to you and I don't really care what the coverage looks like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna count on you to make a play and he just doesn't have that guy and so how do you I don't I don't know how you expect this offense or this passing offense specifically to truly get going if the defense's biggest worry is Hollywood Brown or Mark Andrews like that that's just not to truly evaluate him, I need to see him with a true number one guy, a guy that he can throw the ball up to because he doesn't have that now. He's got to make the perfect throw every time, and that's not going to get it done. I don't. Do you think that they've done enough around Lamar? The, the, the run game looks great, but I don't see anything that looks scary uh, in the receiver room. Like, they don't have no. that guy that you game plan around. They don't have the guy that you can just throw it up to and say, hey, make a play. So I question how much they're setting Lamar up for success. I know that they changed the offense to fit him, but where's the personnel? Uh, that's kind of something that I I pointed to early in the year was uh, I, I I think that Marquise is a decent like uh, 
Marquise he's is like this, he's the Sean Jackson. Right. Okay. Uh, he's the Sean Jackson. They double Mark Andrews and basically leave Mark Andrews. But that 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 goes to the same thing that he does need more support. This organization needs to put another good wide receiver around him. Des Bryant is not that fucking guy. Um, he's a good possession guy, and I'm encouraged to have him around. But I don't think he gives you much more than Willie Sneed does, except a bigger body. I'm just not sold on, uh, again, what this organization has done to put talent around the quarterback. Obviously, we have a strong run game. We always fucking do. But our wideouts seem to be lacking. And I don't know if that's scheme or fit. And that's where I'm moving the needle to is Lamar is starting to get hindered by the position you put him in. Uh, Some people say he can't throw outside the numbers. I see him throw outside the numbers fine. I don't see him completely wing or whiff on these outside throws. I just don't see it. Um, I saw Marquise Hollywood go to Twitter and make a big stink and then turn around in the game against the Colts and drop a very easy first down pass and then not really get targeted again. Um, I'm sorry that you need someone that can make that throw, uh, make that catch. And and I, I thought Hollywood had those hands, uh, but he... he uh, don't know if he's going to be the answer. I agree with you with the Lamar. I think he's got all the tools. I think he's shown he's capable of making all the throws. I think right now you're dealing with a situation where people have figured out Greg Roman, and that's what's limiting your offense. So I want to see where it goes the rest of the year. This is a smart organization that I can't, that I do believe will make adjustments. But, you know, back to when the Ravens won their last Super Bowl, they fired their offensive coordinator in the middle of the year and then switched it up. I think they ended up with Jim Caldwell as their, super, as their coordinator for the rest of the year after flipping from, uh, can I cannot remember his name. It's not, Matt Cavanaugh was the one during the early years that plagued us. I can't remember the other um, coordinator's name. That's right on the tip of my tongue. It's going to irritate me. Uh, if I think of it later, I'll call it out. But I really, again, look at Lamar as being limited strictly by uh, the organization, which is not something I I really um, wanted to get into too much. I didn't want to, uh, I, I guess I don't want to turn that that page and say, well, the organization's failing another quarterback, but we we might be at that point soon if, the, if they can't put competent weapons around him. Right, and, and just to hammer my point home a little more, in the last two weeks, Lamar's rushed the ball 29 times for about 4.3 yards per carry. And what that tells me personally, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but that tells me that his receivers aren't getting open. You know, the the defense is saying, all right, Lamar, we're going to cover Mark Andrews. We're going to make sure Hollywood doesn't get open deep. What else you got? Yeah. Like, that's it. You know? And everyone else is getting swallowed up by one-on-one coverage. Also, the thing is they're leaving extra linemen in the block. So when you go to throw the ball, you have five down linemen. If you have a quarterback, now you're at six. If you keep a tight end the block, you're at seven. That leaves four potential people to throw the ball to. One's going to be Mark Andrews. One's going to be Hollywood Brown. So we just put a safety over the top to watch Hollywood, put him on a, you know, Put our best corner over on him. We'll shut him down. Uh, Mark Andrews, you double. Or or you just shade coverage, too. You force him into the middle of the field and, and make him try to, you know, throw into traffic. So now you're left with Willie Sneed trying to beat anyone, and that's not really going to happen. 
or one of our other rookies, Boykin or so-and-so, out on the side or running back out of the backfield. You're just, you're just limiting what you can do. Uh, and they've really struggled to go into empty sets. Lamar struggled at that. I don't know quite what it is. That's where I saw a lot of wide receivers running routes that put them in the same area. Um, and what that does, when you run these concepts that put your wide receivers in the same area, you just clog it up with extra defenders. If someone's getting shadow coverage and you run into a certain part of the field, there can be three defenders for your two offensive receivers. Just not a good matchup. So uh, I think what we, Lamar has the defense, has the running game, but he's lacking that weapon. You know, Cardinals go out and get Deshaun uh, uh, not Sean Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, to to kind of push that over the top. The Ravens, I think, are need a move like that, someone to alleviate that whole wide receiver core. Right, that's why a couple weeks ago I was saying that I think that if I'm the Ravens, and maybe Ravens fans disagree with me, but if I'm the Ravens, I would have taken a flyer on Antonio Brown. You know, a, a one-season, what is it, a 10-game sample, just to see. You know, because maybe it, Antonio Brown is the type of receiver that Lamar needs. You know, he, he needs that guy who's a playmaker who you can just throw the ball to and say, hey, I trust you to make a play on this ball. And I thought that maybe it was worth the risk. You know, like that move could have had Super Bowl upside, in my opinion. Yeah. I, maybe they're a team that needs to go out and look for a Mike Evans in the offseason or, yes. or someone like that. That's where I see is they're going to need to make a big name signing wide receiver. We'll see what the rest of the season holds. It's a smart organization, but I think that's where we're at. Let's round out the last two. Last two on our lift, uh, list are, uh, I think they're both, they're both drafted in the same class as Herbert. Joe Burrow, I think, takes this cake, and let's start there. Joe Burrow has, out of everyone on this list, I think that Joe Burrow and Tua, the two left, Tua, have the least amount of star talent around them. Joe Burrow, what Joe Burrow is doing with the offensive limitations on the line that they have, to me, is staggering. Uh, you saw it firsthand. He absolutely picked the Titans apart. This is a smart quarterback. I don't think his arm strength is that good, meaning I don't know how much of a risk he'll be to push the ball downfield on you day in and day out. Um, but this is a smart man who knows where he wants to go with the ball and can dissect the defense. I feel glad that he's stuck in Cincinnati because I doubt they'll put a team that's competent around him. But out of all these players on the list, if if I were to pick someone, if you made me pick someone else from Lamar, and if, I would stay with Lamar. But Joe Burrow would be the person on this list out of everyone that I would flip to. I like Joe Burrow, and... If, for a lot of the reasons that you just said, but my favorite thing about Burrow is the fact that, and maybe it's because he's confident, but yeah. he is always calm, cool, and collected out there. Every time I watch the Bengals, when he drops back to pass, he's not, he doesn't have happy feet, you know, he's not trying to run before he should run, he's not pulling his eyes down too early, he's just back there chilling. You know, he's just waiting, like, all right, who's going to get open? Who's gonna, Oh, Boyd, yeah, yeah, here you go, here's some. Ah, uh, ah, uh, AJ Green, here, here's, here's a little ball for you too. Like he, he doesn't rush, and I like that. And and maybe it's because he already has great command of the offense. Maybe he's just very confident. I don't really know what the reason is, but I like the fact that he always feels like he's in control, even if things aren't going right. He looks like he's in control of what's going on. That's what I like out of my quarterback. It might not be the best for fantasy football, you know. Like he might not, 
he might not be the guy that everyone's rushing to go pick in the first round next season, but for real football, you know, for the franchise, you got to feel great with Burrow back there because he, on top of the fact that he's a smart quarterback, on top of the fact that he can uh, break down these defenses, he's got the good mechanics. And after watching Marcus Mariota for a couple years, shout out my boy, my boy Mariota. But you can see a stark difference in someone who's comfortable back there and someone who's not. Yep. If you just look at those two quarterbacks, and and I like that about Burrow. I think that that's one of those things that you need. That's something that a Tom Brady has. That's something that a, a Big Ben has. You know, these quarterbacks that we talked about earlier, they they're good at standing in there calmly and delivering the ball. And I think that Burrow has that on top of everything else that we mentioned. Yep, and uh, our last on the list being Tua. Uh, you sent me an article of how uh, the Miami Dolphins wanted to see what they have with Tua so they would know if they were going to replace him. Um, I thought that was a fucking stupid article at the time. I think it's a stupider article now when you see what Tua is capable of. Um, I do not believe that they were ready to move on from Tua in any facet. I do not believe that they were going to uh, change to Tua for any other reason than they had it set up to change when their bye week came along. Um, and we've seen since Tua's taken over, uh, he's 2-0. and um, And not against complete schmucks of competition. This, is a, this has been a, a pretty good showing from him. Uh, they they go in week one, they beat the Rams. Week two, they beat the Cardinals. Okay, these are two teams that are representing the NFC at the top of the ladder. And you just beat both. You beat the Rams handily. You beat the Cardinals by enough. You have the Chargers come into town, then Denver, then the Jets, then the Bengals. Tua could be 6-0. and by the time he gets to a real game. And I just don't understand why anyone, after seeing what he did in college and seeing what he did in two games or even through practice, why they would, why that even rumor would be floated around. But what did you take on Tua? I'm very impressed. That game last weekend, man, it was a 180 from the first game he played. Uh, and I didn't really think, you know, I wasn't ready to sound the alarm like a lot of, of the people on our televisions were after that first game because, like we talked about before, they scored a defensive touchdown. They scored some special teams touchdowns. Like, Tua didn't really have to put the team on his back two weeks ago. Last week was when we saw if he could put the team on his back when necessary, and we saw that the answer was yes. At least in that game, the answer was yes. He looked great. He was making the throws, and more impressively than the throws, I, you know, we knew he could make the throws. He was doing a very good job on the run. You know, he's not the fastest quarterback that we've seen. He's not as fast as Lamar. He's not as fast as Kyler, but he had a little wiggle. He, he had a couple jukes where he, he left some linebackers searching, you know, whiffing. Uh, and I, I liked what I saw from Tua personally. I liked that, and I don't really understand the article either, especially after watching that last game. Uh, maybe it's just if it's true maybe it's just Miami trying to make sure because they know they're, they're going to have that Houston pick that's going to be a high pick but uh, I think a lot of questions got answered last week he went toe to toe with Kyler Murray and, and you know we have our opinions on the Cardinals but I think that we can at least say that the Cardinals are one of the better teams in the NFC Yep. and he didn't have any issues with them 
No. Any, I didn't see any issues at all. Nope. And, and, and this is a good segue, right? Let, let, let's end here. You have to pick one out of those seven to lead your franchise for the next five years. Who's it going to be? For the next five years, I have to pick one. I'm I'm going to pick Lamar Jackson because he's the one out of the group that's an MVP. But the one I want to pick, I kind of want to pick Kyler Murray. I know I you do. I know you want the Munchkin Man. Uh, I love Kyler the mayor. Murray. I love him. Uh, the mayor. Uh, the mayor of Munchkin Land. Um, it is... Look, I can't hate on that. He's looked great. We'll see what do, you'll see what he does as he continues through. But this is a good segue. We talk about how Miami has just beaten up on two of what people call the dominant NFC teams. Now, let's break this down and transition. What is a dominant NFC team? Who's the best? Who's your number one NFC team right now? Off the top of my head, gun to the head, have to make a decision right now. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints, right? And I don't think that that's a bad pick. I think that that makes some sense. Uh, my thing is here. Let's just break down right now. Who are the top teams in the NFC? Right. The, the, and, and if I get any wrong, let me know. Seattle, New Orleans, yep. Tampa Bay, Green Bay, Arizona, uh, the Los Angeles Rams, and then I'm going to count them in here because they're leading their division. But the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, let me bury the Eagles right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, get the Eagles out of here. We're going to push Eagles off to the side. I'll bring them back in later for a data point. But for now, we're, we're going to just focus on the Rams, Seattle, Saints, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, Cardinals. The thing that the entire NFC has that the AFC really hasn't shown yet is this unbelievable Jekyll and Hyde team. For instance, Kansas City has lost one game to the Raiders. Okay, got it. How have you done versus everyone else? You've won. How have you done against the better teams? You've won. Okay, this is pretty solid. You've had one game where you lost in a divisional matchup. That can happen. Go through. Steelers, undefeated. The Ravens have lost to two teams, Kansas City and the Steelers. Those are the top three teams in the AFC. Those three teams, I believe, show that they're above everyone else in the way they play and the wins they stack up. Pretty simple dynamic. Uh, you know, Steelers one, Kansas City two, Ravens three. Ravens have lost to both of them. Steelers are undefeated. Kansas City has one loss. This makes sense. The AFC seems pretty clean. Now, underneath them, you have this bucket, right? Titans, um, Miami, uh, Buffalo, right? And all those look competitive. Now, flip over to the NFC. All six of those teams that I mentioned earlier, Seattle, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, Arizona, and the Rams. They've all been mostly just handled whenever they come into the AFC. They are losing to all of those, me not mediocre, all the good AFC teams are handling the NFC teams. Here's just some examples. Seattle's 2-1 and one against the AFC. Well, that's pretty good. They beat the Bills when they had Fitzpatrick, and they beat the Patriots, remember, on that last minute, that last second drive where uh, the Patriots don't get it into the end zone. We also know the Patriots right. aren't very good. Those are the two teams they got, they've got. they beaten. They got whipped, though, by the Bills. Move on to the Saints. The Saints have two wins against the AFC. They've beaten the Chargers in overtime. That was that overtime game where Anthony Lynn just threw that thing into the gutter, which we've seen time and time again. They beat Denver. Very good. And they got absolutely throttled by the Raiders. 
Green Bay is two and zero. They haven't. They've they've played Houston. Luckily, they've gotten uh, Houston, and I believe they still have. They have the Jags this week. Did Green Bay beat the Titans, or did Green Bay still have the Titans? No, they still have to play. So Green Bay. So Green Bay is one and zero. They've beaten Houston. They have the Jags this week. They have the Colts and the Titans left. We have no idea what to make of them. They've gotten handled by Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay went and got handled by New Orleans. The Cardinals are 1-1. One one. They have beaten the Jets, and they just lost to Miami. They still have the Bills this week and the Patriots. The Rams have taken two trips to the AFC to lose to the Bills and the Dolphins. And for good measure, the Eagles have taken three trips to the AFC. They have a loss to the Ravens, a loss to the Steelers, and tied with Cincinnati. When I look at the NFC, I don't see my great team. I don't see it. I don't now, see part of the reason why I picked New Orleans is because I think that they have two good wins against a team that I think is pretty good in Tampa Bay. Yep. And so those two wins kind of make them the most impressive team over there for me. And they're in the same conversation with Seattle and Tampa and, and Green Bay, but New Orleans has had the most impressive performances that I've seen. Yeah. Is this um, and, and New Orleans has New Orleans lost to Green Bay already. So when you look at the NFC, you really see this giant jumbled mess of I'm not sure there's a truly dominant NFC team. Like, I believe the Ravens, Steelers, and Kansas City are dominant teams. I don't look at anyone on... If you tell me that Seattle is playing any of those eight AFC teams or any of these seven other NFC teams, I'm going to tell you they could lose. Meaning there are 13 teams to 14 teams capable if they played 10 times of probably winning five of those games or more i do that exercise with every single one of these teams a few of them don't pass the smell test i don't think the rams can beat any of the afc elite or good teams more times out of 10 i know the eagles can't i don't think the cardinals can but we're going to learn more this weekend about the bills and that really leaves me with a seattle team that's that has no discernible defense whatsoever. Tampa Bay has an offense that I have no idea what Byron Leftwich is doing. Green Bay looks great, turns around, and gets blasted every once in a while. They're at the top of this list with two weird losses. They got handled by fucking Soda, and then they lost to Tampa Bay. So I, when I look at this, do you think that the NFC, who from the NFC, if I told you the Titans made the Super Bowl and you're playing against the NFC, I think you'd feel you you would be the favorite. Yeah, the only team in which I, I would definitely feel like all right, an L might be coming would be Seattle. And that's only because I don't think the Titans have the secondary to deal with Lockett and, and Metcalf. But all the other teams, yeah, I would take my risk. I would throw my money on Tennessee. Yeah, and that's why I look across the board and I go, I don't really think there's a dominant NFC team. In fact, I think there's a huge glaring flaw with almost every single NFC team. Uh, and we can walk through it. Seattle has no defense. They can do only one thing in a game. And if, you can, if you, you're an offense that can either throw well or run well, Seattle has no chance of stopping it. 
The Saints, their problem is they their defense is I think their defense is going to be the best in the NFC all said and done. But I don't like Drew Brees at all. I look at I look at the Saints to me feel a lot like the Steelers. Only they don't have all the they don't have nearly the defensive talent on the front of the line that the Steelers have and that draws them back when you add Drew Brees in. Tampa Bay, I think that's one of the most uh, lopsided, weird offenses. And Bruce Arians just came out today and said he th- he wants Antonio Brown to take less snaps. That team is on the cusp of eating itself alive. And good luck to them. Green Bay cannot run the ball and cannot stop the run. That is a surefire way to get eliminated come playoff time. They need Aaron Jones back. They, they really need to get their footwork together. Um, if they can't stop the run going into the playoffs, a team like the Saints is just going to mess them up, which we saw with Tampa Bay. See, my thing with New Orleans is that th- their defense, among the NFC, their defense is one of the better units in the NFC, and they have a top three scoring offense in the NFC to this point with a five-game win streak. And that's without their clear-cut number one receiver in Michael Thomas, who just came back this past week. So I feel like New Orleans might have another gear that it can get to on offense, and the defense has already been solid. And that is the reason why I I would pick them as my favorite. The ceiling can be raised on that offense with Michael Thomas from what they've had this season, because he's played, what, two games? Yeah, and that's, you know, he's only played two games because mainly uh, he's gotten in altercations with people on his team. Um, Right, I mean, that's concerning. But as long as he's going to be playing football, I feel like the offense still can elevate another level. And if they do that, then I think they might be able to separate from the pack a little bit. I just don't know if with Drew Brees you're going to be able to separate. We'll see. They did just ha- they did just absolutely based uh, the fucking Tampa Bay Bucks, and uh, that is encouraging. If if you you want them to run through it, they here's something to mark on your calendar: Sunday, December twentieth, four twenty-five, Kansas City versus New Orleans in Kansas Possible City. Super Bowl preview? No, in New Orleans. So we'll get a dome. Yeah. Uh, until then, New Orleans is really going to play a hodgepodge of people. No discernible talent level. San Francisco, Atlanta, Denver, Atlanta, Philly, Minnesota, Carolina, and in between that, we have Kansas City. So uh, my overall point is I don't believe that the Super Bowl winner right now could come out of the NFC. Um, I don't see elite talent across the board. I see some elite coaching. I see some hodgepodge pieces put together. I think the Saints are the only team that could round into form. I think the rest of these teams kind of are what they are. Tampa Bay really needs to get rid of Byron Leftwich and let Tom Brady just do all the work. That's just the end of it. Just let Tom Brady be offensive coordinator. You have to. Byron Leftwich has no feel for the game. He didn't as a quarterback. He doesn't as an offensive coordinator. He calls plays off a sheet like he's coloring in by the numbers. That doesn't fucking work. It doesn't look good. And that's why you want to know why this team just looks so god-awful half the time. Normally, you can chalk it up to how they fucking run their plays. So... Uh, a lot of people were saying that that green that Giants game against Tampa Bay was a look ahead game for uh, Tampa, and Tampa was looking forward to the New Orleans game. I think that's not true. I think that's who Tampa Bay is right now, and we're looking at a team that might be might have peaked a little too early and now is leveling off. We'll see. 
but the early indications are that game against the Giant, no, Giants no longer looks like a look-forward game. You got basted by the Saints. So if yeah, you were... actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I remember us talking about how, um, uh, who was the guy? Darius Slayton was open yes. deep all night against Tampa, and then Drew Brees comes in and tears that secondary apart. Yep. So let's hold off on the Raheem Morris should get a head coaching job because he's a great defensive coordinator. He got punked now two weeks in a row. And if Daniel Jones could complete a pass, they might have, Tampa Bay might be facing two losses here. And don't act like Tampa Bay didn't want this game. The problem with this loss and how staggering it is, is Tampa Bay already has a loss to New Orleans. This was almost a must win. It was definitely a must win if you wanted the, the one seed. Now I think you're going to look up and go, well, We've now gotten hammered by New Orleans twice. We have a weird loss to Chicago. We have two really killer wins of Green Bay and the Raiders. And besides that, we've kind of been in the middle of a lot of different weird games. Um, and, and the Saints have now beaten them by, what, a combined score of 46? Uh, just, a, just a shit kicking. Uh, so let, let's transition from from New Orleans, from the NFC, where we're not really sure what we're going to get to the AFC. Uh, there is some talk that if these games can't finish, that we're going to get eight playoff teams in each division, which would be insane. As it stands right now, out of that group of good teams, and let's pull the Titans out, Raiders, let's go Raiders, Raiders Bills, um, I'd, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love if the Chargers had won a few games to put them in the mix for this playoff, but it's going to be Raiders, Chargers, um, my, not my, uh, not Chargers, Miami and, uh, the Browns and we'll throw the Titans and I'll see what you say out of those five. Okay. We know the Ravens, the Steelers and Kansas city is going to get three playoff spots. Those five teams, there's really only three spots or uh, four spots remaining. Who doesn't make the cut? First of all, the Titans are going to win the AFC South, so they will yeah, be that's... In, in the playoffs. Oh, and there's the Colts also, but I just think the Colts are right. Um, I like Miami. Uh, I like my. We've you know you've been on Miami since before the season even started, but we here on this podcast have been on Miami for a couple weeks now, and they continue to show us good things. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that that trend continues because the defense has shown to be one of the better units in the AFC, if not in the NFL. And with Tua behind uh, the quarterback position, they look like they might be able to score consistent points because with Fitzpatrick, you you could have the 30-point game. You could also have the 10-point game. Um, so definitely I have the Dolphins taking one of those spots. I kind of like the Raiders for the other spot. I don't like the Browns as much without Odell because I think Jarvis Landry is he's good, but he's not that true number one that Baker's going to need if he's going to at least be average. Uh, so I, I'm not a big believer in the Browns. I think that the Raiders, Colts, and Dolphins will probably be the ones fighting it out, and I like the Dolphins, and I'm a... I kind of want to give credit to the Colts because they have one of the best defenses in the league, but I'm not a fan of Phillip Rivers at all. 
And so uh, I'm going to watch what I say about Phillip Rivers because they're going to play the Titans tomorrow and watch Phillip Rivers come out and, and throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns. But I'm just not a big believer in him. So I like the Dolphins, and I like the Raiders, actually. I like what, what Gruden's doing over there with Carr. I didn't think that I would be saying that at this point, but you got to give credit where it's due. The Raiders look decent. Big on the Raiders, big on the Dolphins. I think both of them are going to punch playoff tickets. I think that I think entirely the Titans will win their division. I think the Colts will be the one looking at the looking. The Colts and the Browns are going to come down to uh, the end of the year, um, and neither one of them scare me in any d- discernible way, really. Uh, so I, I really I think that all those teams in there, I think all of them are better than most of the NFC teams that are going to make the playoffs. To be honest with you. Um, I look at a team like Cleveland, and I think if you took Sean McVay and put him on Cleveland, that that team would look a lot like how the Rams look right now. Very similar teams uh, in terms of what talent you had available and the, at skill positions and on defenses. It's the same with the holes that they're both facing. Uh, I think they have very similar quarterbacks as well. Uh, but it takes a super genius to make Jared Goff into a good quarterback. And there's only like four or five of them available. And you're just not going to find one in Cleveland. So uh, I really like I like the Browns to kind of taper off towards the end of this year. Everyone's saying that Odell Beckham won't be a loss to them. You're a fool, Harry Potter. And uh, and I really look at the, the rest of that and I go, hey, I think the Colts could squeeze in around. Uh, I think they could finish nine to ten wins. I think. I think uh, I think the Browns are really going to taper off into an eight or nine win team. I think the Bengals are, are going to round the corner and, and they're actually going to get some love towards the end of the year. They'll fall short. But I like I like Tua. I like Miami Dolphins. I love Brian Flores. I love John Gruden. I hate Derek Carr. Uh, but I love what the, both those teams are doing right now and trending upwards. So I as well, I think that uh, the Colts or the Browns are going to be the ones on the outside looking in. We're going to find out a lot about the Colts and Titans over the next three weeks. Uh, they play this week. Um, then they have you know, they have a game in the middle, but then they play again. So they're going to play two times in the next three weeks. We're going to learn a lot about the AFC South in those two weeks. If the Titans can somehow pull a sweep, they are firmly in the driver's seat to win the division. Uh, if it's a split, uh, it might be cl- uh, close going all the way down. If somehow the Colts win, then I would be or if the Colts could win both of those matchups, I'd be super concerned as a Titans fan. Uh, but we're going to learn in the next three weeks how that division's going to shake out for sure. Yep. All right, any parting thoughts before we get out of here? Fuck the Colts. Fuck the Colts. Uh, tomorrow I will be... I'll be looking at that. I, I've, I've taken a... I'll be honest with everyone out there. Uh, I've had a lot going on at work, outside of work. Um, and my plays have been bad, to say the least. Um, and I'm okay with that. You go through slumps. I have uh, gone back to my roots, uh, gone back to my note-taking, started to break down where I think these teams will end up and how I think they'll do. Um, the biggest thing is I expect only sunny days to come from here on out. Went through a little bit of a mid-season slide, but I don't see that continuing much longer. And I believe I will have at least five best bets this weekend. And I'm probably going to go 5-0. and oh. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, I might do a pod over the weekend for some gambling. Uh, maybe we'll fit one in Sunday morning early. 
Um, but as always, you can find me pick and play 37 on Twitter. You can find Leo at pick and scroll. Always rate, subscribe, review, give us feedback, reach out to us if you want to know more. Uh, and we appreciate everyone tuning in. Stay safe.